Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. This is, this is the third part of our series on a journey through grief. We pray that it has been a blessing to you. I know people have been contacting me and say, I have found healing. I have learned to open up. I have found uh, the touch of God in my life. I've learned so much. I mean, one after another have talked to me about this. And so we do believe there's healing and that there is life after death, life after a crisis. And many of you have not been through that. And uh, Sister Brown, we want you to come and, and uh, um, we honor we honor her. Has she done an amazing job being transparent, open and real, raw emotions? And so we want her to come. And, and I pray those that are watching online will be blessed as well. Um, and, but if you have not went through a tragedy, um, you're probably at some point, if you live long enough, uh, you're going to have somebody that you love very much that's going to pass away. How do you get through that? Or, in the meantime, you're going to have to be a comforter to somebody. What do I say? What do I not say? How many has ever felt that? I've asked this question. What do I say? I wish I knew what to say. And we've talked about that. And so, tonight is, is, is the third part. And Sister Annie, we love you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for pulling off the wrapper of emotions and getting down and helping us. And we love her, don't we? Aren't we thankful for her? Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start out this week um, thanking someone. Um, they came to me over the weekend, I believe it was, and said, uh, everything's been good, but you, you've neglected to talk about something. And... Um, it was guilt, and I have not included that, but I, I, I will do that today. Um, I know your handout is a little thicker than normal. Um, we probably won't get to everything in it, but the, the last part of that, I had reached out to maybe a half a dozen people, maybe more, um, and said, what, what did you learn? What what was something that stuck with you? So the last part of that handout should be um, lessons from a grieving heart and uh, things that, that I've learned in my darkest hour. So I uh, hope that will be a blessing to you. I need to talk about today um, some different kinds of death. Mine was, uh, my husband was a tragedy. My mother was an anticipated death. Uh, she had cancer and was sick for about seven years. And um, an anticipated death um, does not lessen your grief, even though you think it might, because you can see it coming, you can feel it coming, you know it's coming. And um, although hope always intermingles, Pastor, when you get a diagnosis like that, you know, hope and, and trust and all those things intermingle with a terminal illness. But a lot of times grieving begins when you hear the, the words three to six months or two to seven months or less than a year. 
and those, those come ahead of what you're going to go through, but sometimes grieving starts at that time, um, not full-fledged, but the letting go, the, the, the kind of like the letting go. I, I knew mom was sick, and I knew that they, what they had told us, and, and uh, she actually lived longer than what they had anticipated, but, um, you know, every week I could see just a little change in her, just a, just a little bit, but, um, and with an anticipated death, you think you're ready, because you, you are letting go a little at a time. You think you are, but you're never really ready. Right. You're never really ready to do that. And can I, can I sure. from a, a comforter's perspective, um, sometimes we in the church, that when we see someone that has a terminal illness, everything in us wants to believe for their miracle. Um, everything. It doesn't matter if they're young or older. We are holding on to the last minute for a miracle. And how many know that's how, we, that's how we think? And many times we see those miracles. Sometimes we do not. I've had people come to me and they quote the verse, uh, in, my, in my faith help me with my unbelief. And talking about even though I'm a believer, am, am I not believing enough to see the miracle? And so you can sometimes operate when you have a person you love or a person you know, especially in the church, the, the more people you know, the more stuff you're going to deal with. And so I think sometimes in an anticipated situation like this and that somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, that we want nothing more than to see that person healed. Can you say amen? amen? And if that person passes away, it's not anything to do that did we not pray enough? Did we not believe enough? How many's ever dealt with that guilt as a believer? Did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray? Should I have fasted more days? It doesn't operate that way. And I, don't, I think one thing we've got to understand here tonight, that that's not of the Lord to think that way. That's out of our own flesh to think with that manner of guilt. Let me tell you something you don't do. is because you want someone to live so bad, you try to find a word of prophecy, and then you prophesy to them that they're going to live. And if they die, guess what the spouse or the family member is going to deal with? an unnecessary emotion that God didn't keep his word or you lied. Yeah. You prophesied a lie. And I'm just talking to you in teaching because sometimes as a people of faith, we believe it so much, we want it so bad, we feel like we have to speak it into existence. Man, let's talk about this for a minute. That, yeah, well, I need to speak it. I need to speak that they're going to live. I need to speak. You could say, I am believing with you that they're going to live. But if you say, the Lord said that they're going to live and then they die, then you've lied on God. And we can't do that as comforters dealing with, some, with an anticipated death. I've had it to happen to me with situations. People come up and give me a word that wasn't fulfilled. And here's the deal. Jeremiah said they prophesied out of their own spirit. What does that mean? They wanted it to happen, so they tried to speak that into existence. But we have to be careful to be uh, unwise in those moments. We've got to be wise. And how about this? If God didn't say it, we shouldn't. 
If you say the Lord said, you better know that the Lord said. Absolutely. I mean, know it's true. We got to know that the Lord said. Now, how do you word that if you are feeling something, you are wanting that, but you don't know if God said, but you can just say, hey, you know what? I, I just, I'm just, I'm believing with you that God's going to heal them because that person wants them to be healed. But sometimes it's got, it's, we don't understand this, but sometimes it's not the will of God. That's hard for us to accept. It's very hard. You know, the old eagle, I'm, I'm preaching too long You're here. Good. You're good. <laughs> Isaiah prophesied to uh, Hezekiah. He said, the Lord said, set your house in order. You're going you're to die. You know what he did? He went and begged God to live. And, and God let him live. And he lived 15 more years. And in those 15 years, he destroyed everything he had built in 14. God knows best. And I, I want to say this here tonight. Man, I feel the Lord coming in this room right now. There's one thing that we've got to believe. We're not in this, in this for a better life. We're in this for eternal life. Yes, yes, yes. We got in this for eternal life. I've got a home waiting on me on the other side. Amen. I believe God can bless you down here, but I've got eternal life. I know one of these days I'm going to be on the other side. No more pain and no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more sickness. Amen. No more cancer, no more sin, no more temptation. Oh, I think it's all right. We clap our hands and thank you for that blessed hope. We've got a blessed hope in him. Amen. He's been good to us. He's been good to us. Look at your neighbor and say, not just a better life, but eternal life. In the back of an old preacher's Bible, after he had passed away, he had passed on. Somebody was flipping through those tattered pages, and on the back of his Bible, it was written in there, and this is what it said. It said, there's one step beyond faith. It's trust. Everybody say, one step beyond faith. It's trust. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And in those moments, if my prayer was not answered... I trust God. Can you say amen? So anticipate. Trying to be a comforter, you don't you wanna you wanna know how to speak what you're feeling without saying things you shouldn't say. Amen. Right. And and when there is an anticipated death, um, especially one that lingers, don't be surprised um, if your grief doesn't last as long as other people think that it should. Don't tailor your grieving experience to what Sally Sooth thinks you should, how you should grieve, because it's so individual. Um, and with an anticipated death, you begin to let go early on. You, you, it may not feel like it, but you really do. Um, so don't, don't let others tell you how to do it. Don't tailor your grief to others' expectations. Um, I want to talk a little bit about suicide. Um, when a death occurs from suicide, there's often frustration, pain, and questions, with the biggest one being why. Um, and in all the grieving, in all the emotions that you experience, you also have to deal with the person 
hurt so badly that they could actually hurt themselves. It's not natural for us to hurt ourselves, but people hurt so badly on the inside um, that that they think that that is the way the way out of it. Actually, um, when my son was quite young, uh, my oldest boy, um, he had a friend, and it was after his daddy died. Um, I think he was a teenager, maybe in his early 20s. Um, he had this real close friend, and um, he, Ronnie came to church one, one day hunting for me, and he said, Mom, he said, Randall died. And I was astounded because he was Ronnie's age, just a young man. He said, Mom, I feel so bad. He said, I never answered his phone call. I, he called me, and, and I never answered his phone call. So on top of all the emotions that you experience with death, when, when there is a suicide, there are many more things that, that you question. You know, you question your own self. I should have been able to see. I should have known. I should have felt, you know. But, and, and Pastor, there's no, there's no answer to those things. And the one that could give you the answer is not able to give you the answer because they're the one that's gone. So when you, when you experience, when you go through suicide, sometimes um, there's a stigma with that, a stigma of shame. It shouldn't be like that. And, but sometimes you think that people look at you like, what, you know, why didn't you see that coming? Or, or how could you have not known that? Or, you know, many different things. But when, when you're on the receiving end of, of a loved one dying th from suicide, there are, it just adds an extra layer on top of, of, your, of your grieving. Um, I wanna talk to you very briefly about um, if your loved one uh, died by murder. There's, there's just an overload of feelings when, when that comes because, of course, you, you think, what, what were they feeling? You know, how did this happen? How, you know, were they afraid? Were they, you know, often, often there can be, after time goes on, you know, then there's a judicial system that people have to deal with. And sometimes trials can be long and prolonged and, you know, uh, this can say, you know, we have, we have to bring in more stuff, you know, it's, so it's, you have to deal with still your emotions of loss, but that's another layer on top of everything that you have to deal with. Um, and sometimes in those situations, you, you have to realize that we are a people of justice, pastor, not revenge because you're, you're angry and you want somewhere for that anger to go. And so we, we are a people of justice, but not revenge. Um, and in, in my case, uh, I'm gonna to talk to you a little bit about an accidental death. I think, I think well, because naturally in, in a situation, I've had to pastor that. Uh, someone attended here years ago that 
mother was murdered. It just uh, uh, was, it was a tragic situation. And, uh, and to try to find, move on from that is a completely different type of grieving or scenario than an accidental death when mm -hmm. she's getting ready to deal with. How many remember years, probably 10 or 12 years ago, someone had shot a stray bullet and hit a young Amish girl uh, mm -hmm. and with, a, I think it was a 22 shell, and it struck her in the head. It wasn't intentional. It was shot from a long ways away. And uh, they asked the Amish community, someone interviewed them, the parent or whoever, and they said, um, aren't you angry? I mean, how are you going to deal with this? And his response was, we've already forgiven the person. Mm -hmm. Because you truly can't move on in life until you forgive. Yeah. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. Mm -hmm. It just really is. The only thing that detaches you from your past is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's going to detach you from the trauma of yesteryear is going to be forgiveness. It severs it. If you don't forgive, it has a feeder line into your life. I, I want everybody to take your hands like hand like this, and I want you to sever it. You have the ability through forgiveness to sever things that will never feed your emotions. Yet forgiveness is very, very powerful. Matter of fact, there is a touch of God in here right now. I want us to lift both hands to the Lord and say, God, I want to have a forgiving spirit. Yeah. A forgiving nature. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want revenge in my spirit. God, I want to have love. Love in my spirit. Love is healing. It's powerful. God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, when there's an accidental death, um, it assaults your senses um, and your understanding of how things could have happened. I replayed over and over and over in my mind what could have happened when my husband was killed. It was an accidental um, overturning of a, a logging a, a equipment called a skitter. And I thought, he was so big and so strong, and why couldn't he just push that thing off of himself? You know, that's how skewed our thinking can be sometimes. But you just think, you, you just want, I wanted, I wanted to blame somebody for what happened to him, but I, I, I couldn't blame anybody because there were a lot of variables in that. He had removed the seatbelt from the, the machine that he was working on. He was on a hill and he, you know, it, it was unfortunate. The top tire hit a stump and it offset the whole thing. And when it was going over, he tried so hard to live. He went, jumped out above it so it could go below him. And he hit his head on the roll bar of the machine. And when he did, it knocked him backwards. And the machine came on over on, on top of him and crushed him. And I wanted to blame him for, number one, taking the seatbelt out and thinking, you know, you shouldn't have been on the hill maybe or, you know, and again, it rolls back into the why, how could, what if, all those kinds of things. Um, and 
when the accident happens at the hands of another person, as in a car accident, you have to be really careful to not become bitter, not live in a constant state of anger because it will destroy you. It will ultimately destroy you if you let yourself live in that place. And I don't know if you all have ever heard of a lady named Catherine Kubler-Ross. She was supposed to be a grief you know, guru. And one of the things that she said about guilt was, guilt is perhaps the most painful companion to death. I'm not sure that I agree with that, but excuse me. <coughs> death is a very painful companion, um, or uh, guilt is a very, very painful companion to death. And it can be complex in its own setting. Um, you know, a person can feel relieved that their loved one is no longer suffering, but then they feel guilty because they feel relieved. Um, you can feel anger at the circumstances and then feel bad because you're angry. And then it just is often just a loop that um, you can kind of get on. Um, and it, guilt doesn't have to be rational to be real, Pastor. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. And you have things like, it's my fault. What if I had done things different? What if I had called the doctor sooner? What if I hadn't taken her to the hospital? What if I would have done it sooner? What if I you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. You can do that, and I told you in one of the weeks, it's like a hamster on a wheel, that it just goes around and around and around. And that in itself creates undue guilt, you know, because you just question it and then you think, I'm not being strong enough, I'm not being what I should be when, when all that stuff assaults you. Um, and guilt can chase you like a hound dog. It can just dog your steps all the time. Um, and it can hold us in bondage and isolate us and alter how we look at everything um, in the world. And it, it keeps us, what you just said, tethered to the past. It keeps us tethered. Um, I think the strongest time that I've ever heard of someone dealing with guilt and it, and it touches my heart so much. Um, my husband's mother passed away of cancer in 1998, and I will never, until my dying day, forget what her husband said to me, standing at the, the uh, elevator doors. We were getting ready to leave after she had passed, and he said, I will lay her beside my mistake. And I knew what he was talking about. You guys don't know, but 30 years before that, their five-year-old son was riding on a dozer with him. And if I am saying it right, Dave, it, it jumped the track and Terry lost his balance. And when he lost his balance, he fell off and Jay ran over him with, with the dozer and killed him. And he said, 30 plus years later, I will lay her beside my mistake. And it was, it was so impactful to me about how people carry guilt, yeah. how, how guilt will follow you if you don't 
let go of it. He carried that until he died 10 years later. The feeling that over, overwhelmed him at, at what had happened. And it was an accident. It was, it, was strict, it was not his fault, but he carried that for all of, those, for all of that time. And there is a thing called false guilt. Um, my bone marrow doesn't match, so I, I can't help you, Tyler. You know, I, just things that are out of your control, yeah. but it, you still feel guilty about it. And that is false guilt. And you have to, you have to let that go. You have, to, you have to let that go. And sometimes you just have to say, I did the best that I could at the time with what I knew. You know, I made the best decision that I could with what I knew at the time. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I want to talk about is grieving conflicted relationships. Um, you had a fight with your wife and she... Yeah, let, me, let me... Sure. Let's pause there for a minute. And you're talking about false guilt, things I wish I'd have said, I would, wish I'd have answered mm -hmm. that phone call. Um, and I think that is so realistic. But I think the answer is, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that guilt? How, what would you say, because you've experienced it, um, you, you know what that's like feeling guilty because that's a natural, uh, number one, guilt's not from God. Guilt's not from God. God does not motivate by guilt. Mm -hmm. And how many of you have ever felt guilty? Guilt's from us. We create questions that feel guilt. God doesn't guilt us. I think, though, what would you say to somebody? And you talked about the, the, the hamster in the wheel, and you, you mentioned the natural guilt, the, the, the bone marrow phone call, uh, you know, the, the tragedy with, with, the, the, with uh, Brother Brown's brother and his dad. You know, I, I can't even fathom that. And I think, let's just stop here for a minute. I think there's a part of us, how do we even fathom that, getting over that, getting through that? But on the circumstances that's at our hands, someone dies in a car wreck that we love, whatever it might be. But you're going to deal with guilt. A thousand questions that have no answers. I think, you have, I think you have to, I think you have to open your spirit, open your heart, open your mind to there are some things that are just out of our control. We cannot control everything in our life. There, there are just, you know, some things that, you know, when, when you have um, a, a hereditary thing going on, it's out of your control. And I think you have to open up yourself to healing and that's where we have the advantage because we know the healer mm -hmm. and we can open ourselves up to spiritual healing spiritual um, cleansing because if you if you don't let your mind go on a on a different way you will, you will seriously have problems faster. 
you know, if you don't, if you don't somehow learn to let go of that and surrender it, you know, I had to, honestly, I, you know, I had to forgive Ron for taking the seatbelt out of that machine because whether it would have saved his life or not, I have no way of knowing. But in my mind, it, it might have helped or back to my skewed thinking, if I had to let it go that he wasn't strong enough to, to pop that machine off of him that weighed hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And so in order for me to have peace, I had to, I had to mentally say I had no control over that. And I couldn't, I couldn't have stopped that. That's, that would be my answer to it, you know, open. Did you have counsel that someone directed you how to get out of guilt or, because I think, I think this is so normal on, on da <coughs> daily living, not just tragedies. Is there, anybody ever deal with guilt where you feel like it's always somewhere near you? Near you? How do you process that? And I think, so the hamster in the, in the wheel, uh, Michael said something so I thought so powerful when he was introducing the service tonight, Brother Michael Croston, as you all know, he, he's a widower, and God has brought great healing in his life. And uh, next week, we're going to have a panel discussion with, mm -hmm. with uh, Brother Nehemiah's going to be on that, Brother Michael's going to be on that, um, and a couple others. But uh, it's going to, real people dealing with loss that have found healing, and how did it happen? But the thing he said is that uh, there's counsel. Mm -hmm. I think we got to have some in our life that says, you're not thinking right, Annie. Yep. Yep. Annie, you, you're not thinking right. Absolutely. That's not fair to you. Yeah. Uh, am I right? I, I, I feel like that. And it, there's nothing, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's, there's nothing wrong with seeking counsel, you know, Seek call. Counsel you know, call and make an appointment with pastor. If he can't help you, he knows someone that can. You know, it, it, it is not a weakness in you or, or a lack of faith or anything like that. It's, it's seeking people that know how to help you. Yes. It's, it's as simple as that. You know, you don't go to, to the vet when you have a sore throat. You take your dog to the vet because he knows what to do with your dog. You go to the doctor because the doctor knows what to do with you. And, you know, you go to somebody that knows what, what to do with you. And I've, how to seen, I've seen healings that come right here. I've, I've seen a withered hand healed there. I saw a lady's leg grow right there. I saw a man's eyes healed right here. I've seen many miracles. I've also seen mi miracles that we gave Thank God for wise men or women in the medical field that gave some level of treatment and they got better. And we praise God that the cancer was removed. But I've been in meetings where the tumors disappeared. I give all glory to God for all good things. Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. The Bible says, you know, it talks about all good gifts come from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. And I would say on this, there's a couple verses coming to my mind. Is where there's no counsel, people fall. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Everybody say safety. 
don't go through this by yourself. Right. It's right. not good for a man to be alone. Get help. You know when you're not thinking right and you can feel yourself going downhill. Is that, is that true? It is true. You, you is know true. when you're, you're in a bad way. You're going down the wrong path mentally. That's why God gives you a pastor. Sounds like job security from my chair here. But, uh, but pastor, let me say, be careful that you don't get your counselor from the knuckleheads we talked about last week. You know, you don't go to Job's comforters. Tell us how you really feel. Amen. Yeah. You don't go to Job's comforters and get counsel from them if, if all they do is spew negative that's stuff so at good. you. You know, you, that's not healing. That is not healing. You've got to have positive. Yes. You've, you've got to have somebody speaking life into life. you. And, you know. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, nor, yep. nor standeth in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. There is a direction. There is. There is a path to recovery. Yep, yep, yep. There is a path of restoration. There is a life that can be spoken in you and you can live again without guilt. Right, right. Man, somebody say, I want to be healed. <laughs> and seek that counsel. There's been, there's been many times I didn't have the answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know what? Somebody asked me a question I don't know, Brother John. You know what I say? I don't know. And I'm going to find somebody that does know the answer going to help you in this area. And God's going to give us the resources we need to get better. He's the restorer of my soul. Of my soul. The soul is the center part of a man and woman that produces emotions. Right. And he's the restorer of that. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You're bringing me through this. Yes. I'm coming out of this better than I entered this. You've got to start speaking life. You've got yes, to start yes, speaking yes. the word. You've got to start thinking clear. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to go to church. And uh, important to go to church, even when you feel like the service maybe is not as applicable for you. But you need to go to church because it's not just intellectualism uh, uh, being passed on. This is not just, just, just ideologies and humanism. This is, this is the word of God. We believe there's a supernatural element to preaching. Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Things that no one knew. I had a preacher tell me this week, he said, he said when Nathaniel came, he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he was doing under the fig tree. I don't know what was going on there, but he went from that to... You are, you are the Christ. He knows where you're at. One thing you can never forget, and I am going to preach to you here for a couple minutes. Right. You can never forget in the midst of your tragedy that God, God knows where you're at. Yes, yes, yes. He sees you in this temporal world that we call earth. He sees us here, and he doesn't want to leave us the way he found it. He wants to bring us out. There's a story about a preacher that was going through a great crisis in his life, and and it was just a very troubling time. And troubling time. And there's some people here tonight that's going through some troubling things. But I feel, I, feel, I feel light in the evening time. I do. I feel healing in this room so strong right now. Maybe you're watching online or watching this video. But I'm going to tell you, God knows where you're at. And he's going to visit you even in your home. He wants to bring healing. This preacher was discouraged 
How many of you have ever been discouraged? Discouraged. And pulled up the Shoney's restaurant. Do you remember what Shoney's was? They have great hot fudge cakes. Oh, honey. Where, where can we get a hot fudge cake? Can somebody, can somebody help me right now? Amen. We, went, we would go to Shoney's. But he went, pulled up the Shoney's, told his wife and kids, said, y'all go and get a table. I just need a couple minutes alone. And uh, Sister Eileen, something happened in that moment when they went in. He stepped out of his van after about 10 minutes, walked past the payphone. Do you know what a payphone is? <laughs> he walked past the payphone, and when he did, the phone rang. And he thought, that's strange. I've never had a payphone to ring when I'm walking past it. So he answered it. He must have been desperate. He said, hello. And the person on the other end of the line said, I was in prayer and God told me to call this number. And he told me to tell you that he knows where you're at. Woo! When you thought you were alone. When other people's choices have affected your life and you're blaming yourself. Gil, God says, I know where you're at. And I know this setting is different, that this is not what we normally do, but God's coming into this meeting yes, on a Wednesday yes, night yes. panel discussion to tell you he knows where you're at yes, and he's going to bring yes. you out. He's going to heal you. You're going to be renewed. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And your marriage has struggled since the chaos. Your marriage has struggled since the death, but it's not going to struggle forever. God's going to heal your spirit He's going to heal your mind and he's going to heal that relationship. Your yes. marriage is going to be stronger than it's ever been. It's going to be greater than it's ever been because God will not leave me comfortless. He said, I will come to you. Yes. Is there anybody yes. that believes that tonight on a Wednesday? He's coming to us. Yes. He is my rescuer. He is the lifter of my head. He is my shield. He's my comforter. Oh, praise him in the building right now for a moment. If he's ever done anything for you, praise him. If you believe he's going to do something for you, praise him. I thank you for healing power. I thank you for second chances. I thank you for restoring people to a greater purpose. I'm going to minister now. Sister Annie, I imagine at that moment that you're dealing with Ron's death and how to, how to parent uh, in the midst of that and, and breaking plates in the grass and feeding dogs. I don't know why you fed a dog with a plate, but uh, you don't even have to answer that question. I don't know the answer. You don't have to answer that. I didn't think you did. Uh, and But you know what? You didn't think then that a couple decades later, more than that, 30 years, that you would be healing, being a, a conduit of healing. And I just want to say that I know talking about these stories aren't easy. I mean, she has opened up her life. She has opened up her heart, the most tender places of her of who she is. She's opened it up for your sake. And week after week, family after family, got another phone call today that she's got a, she's going to not got to. She sees it as a ministry. She's going to minister to somebody that ha has a great loss. But Sister Annie, we love you. And before we move on with anything, we are so thankful. You do what you do and you love the way you love. We're thankful. We are better. We are healed. We are getting better. In the name of Jesus.
Lord, I pray right now a blessing over Sister Annie and Brother Dave and all they've done. I pray, Lord, a blessing to multiply it back in them again. Let the anointing of your spirit, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know what I've learned? If you will allow God to heal and shake off things that are not necessary, necessary, Paul is dealing with the shipwreck in Acts, I think it's 28. Sister Wendy in the island of Melita, it's a shipwreck. There was a tempestuous wind. It was called Eurachlodon. It ought to be called Eurach your world. Did I say that right? Eurach your world. I just made that up. This is quite random. Brother Adam might have to delete this from the deal, but. Out of nowhere comes this unbelievable storm that it destroys the ship and people are swimming on broken pieces. All they got left is broken pieces of what used to be stable and trusted. It's in winter time. He's grabbed. Can can you hold the microphone in my mouth? Can I use this? It looks like a board. I don't want to lose your place here. But all they've got is a board and they're swimming, holding on to a piece of what was a stable part of the world that's just a broken piece now. And I think sometimes that's how you deal with death. The only thing we're holding on to is broken pieces and broken emotions. Broken, a broken relationship. It's broken. And all he wants is to find comfort. He swims to shore. Here, you can have your board back. Thank you. He swims to shore, and he's cold. It's winter waters, and he gathers some sticks. He puts it on, and he's in a strange land. Never been here before. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? He's in a strange land. We've never been here before, and all he wants to do is just feel warm again. He's cold. His clothes are wet. His life is broken. And he takes, gathers wood and places it on the fire. He just wants to be warm. He just wants to be comforted. And when he does, a viper comes out of that pile of sticks and latches onto his hand because that's the way the devil works. As as soon as your life becomes broken, he always shows up. Because he's a wimp. He never shows up when you're strong. He always shows up when you're broken. And what do snakes do? They always attack with their mouth. And they have fangs and they bring poison from their head. And was sinking, it, it, it was sinking poison into his hand. Which eventually leads to the heart. And it attacks the nervous system. But you know what he did? In a broken moment, I'm giving no place to the devil. He shook it off in the fire. You have to realize that the fire of the Holy Ghost is what's going to get you through the cold, broken winter waters of tragedy. You need a move of God. It'll cause you to think right. It'll cause you to love again. It'll cause you to take thoughts captive and say, I'm not thinking about that. That's why you need to go to church. You need fiery preaching 
with fiery worship, with a fiery prayer meeting. We need a fiery church to help heal people. Amen. That's what we need. We need a good old move of the Holy Ghost. How many believe God is a cure-all to us? And so, Sister Annie, I feel this tonight, is that he didn't let it. He didn't let it stay latched onto him. And that's why you got to bring thoughts captive. He shook it off in the fire. Look at your neighbor and shake your hands. Say, shake it off in the fire. Amen. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake off those thoughts. Shake off that poison of, that's not true. It's not true. He shook it off. And when he did, they were mesmerized because he didn't die. I'm going to tell you, you're going to live. And it was within a matter of weeks that another ship came in. I think you ought to elbow your neighbor, elbow me, so we can get involved in this preaching I'm doing right now. That's what they say. Elbow your neighbor and say, neighbor, shake it off. Your ship's coming in. That one was broken, but there's another ship coming in. And the same hand, I'm, I'm convinced. How many ever read that? Where the viper latched on with poison. He laid hands on a sick man. And healing came out of his hand. And healed that man. And an entire heathen people on the island of Melita were converted. Why? Because brokenness can bring poison, pain. But if you'll shake it off in the presence of God, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Out of your brokenness, give me your hand, is going to come healing. That's going to change other people's lives. Your tragedy is going to become a testimony of miracles. It's not why it happened. But God's going to let something good come out of this. I want you to say, God's going to let something good come out of my life. I wish somebody that was having some pain or having pain would stand up and say, there's healing going to come out of my spirit. Come on, I want you to do it. There's healing coming out of my spirit. I'm not going to live in guilt. I'm going to live in healing. Come on, raise your hand and let God's spirit begin to minister. There's healing coming out of my ministry. There's healing going to come out of my life. There is healing coming out of me on this Wednesday night. I will not die in my dilemma. I'm coming out in the name of Jesus. I'm coming out. Come on. I'm not just talking about death right now. I'm talking about ministries. You've suffered. There will be healing that's coming out of my life. In Jesus' name, somebody shout, I'm going to be better. Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Let me talk to you just a few, and it's in your handout, so we'll just go really quickly about some practical things. Um, sometimes people have asked me, um, what do I do with all their stuff? What do I do with that kind of stuff? And my answer to you on that is, you deal with it as you're able. You know, if it's too much for you to, to go through um, quickly, then just hang on, it'll, it'll be all right. You just deal with it as you get strength. Um, my mother-in-law, and I loved her to death, she was, she was funny, she was funny. I tried to get her one time to teach me how to use a pressure cooker, and she said, Annie, not everybody can do that. And I thought, okay. <laughs> but she was, she was uh, something else, but when, when Terry was killed, um, she, put a, she put sentimental things into a drawer 
and took the knobs off the drawer so she couldn't get to it. And uh, Dave reminded me today, and I had forgotten, that she took a, like a gunny sack of his things and hung them up in, a, in an outbuilding and left them there. And um, you, just, you just do what you need to do at the, at the time. You do the best that you can do at the time. My sister had picture after picture after picture of her husband all over the house. And six years later, she's beginning to, to be able to, to put those things away. And um, of course, she'll always keep her favorite ones out, I'm sure. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so you just deal with those things as you can. Um, those, they're all individual decisions. Um, you know, you don't ever go into somebody's house and rid it out for them. You know, even though you think you're helping, that is not a help. Um, because they need to handle the things and they need to go through them themselves. Um, another practical thing is accept some loneliness. Um, it's very normal. Um, and it's, but it's not, it, 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 it's important not to get completely isolated. You've, you, this is a lonely walk and when, when you first walk it, and people don't always understand that, but you, know, you just accept some loneliness um, and choose good company and be careful of those comforters you know, that we talk with about. Um, what did you call them? That's okay. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, hang with people that won't put undue burdens on you um, and expect, expect too much out of you. Um, and be gentle with yourself. Be, don't judge yourself because you think you're not doing good enough or you're not doing better. Get extra rest. Um, physical and emotional exhaustion is common. You're going to need more rest than normal, but don't hang out in the bed all the time. You know. Uh, set a regular sleep pattern, um, get a good amount of sleep, but don't sleep too much because that, that's avoiding the hard work of grieving. It's, it's avoiding. Um, move your body. Get out and take a walk. You know, go, go out and just get a little exercise. Um, and it's good to talk to your primary care physician. Um, he, he can help you with um, unhealthy habits that you might be falling into um, and help you establish healthier habits um, and keep structure in your day and that means getting up and getting dressed every day bathing regularly um, just doing the next thing um, and even though you're not hungry you know try and eat regular meals be cautious, don't make knee-jerk decisions. Um, they tell you to, to um, make, not make any major decisions for a year. Don't change your job, don't sell your house unless you are forced into it. Sometimes death demands decisions that have to be made. You're gonna lose your house, you know, if you don't sell it or, um, you know, something, the car is going to get repossessed if you don't downsize or, or something like that. Um, you know, when that happens to you, seek counsel from the right people. Um, get it from business uh, 
you know, lawyers and, and that kind of stuff. Don't go to somebody that's, you know, in a bunch of financial trouble trying to figure out how you're going to move along. Um, and make sure that you take care of the inner man or woman. Make sure that you you pray and you stay close to God and and because God is an ever-present help in trouble. He's always there. He is not going to leave you to figure this out yourself. He's got broad shoulders and strong arms, and he's going to help you. Amen. And the very end, excuse me, <coughs> the very end um, will be your second part of your handout, and that's the things that, that people have given me uh, the things that they learned in their darkest hour. So that, that'll help you. <clears throat> Won't we give her a hand? Aren't we thankful? <clears throat> Amen. Won't we stand and thank God for the word tonight? And uh, there, is, there is healing in this room. There really is. It's going to be all right. I want you to turn to two or three people. I want you to say it. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Come on, smile at them. Say, it's going to be all right. Look at them. Say, you look prettier. You look better. More handsome when you smile. Amen. I do think, I, I do think the theme tonight, element of it, is, is about dealing with guilt. And answer questions and one of the things is you need don't do this by yourself I have trusted voices in my life I could say absolutely anything to no matter what I'm going through and I have and they've helped me get through tough times in my life and uh, God's given that to you and there's nothing like the church it's God's design to change the world to impact the community to bless the family is the church and we have such amazing people here uh, that'll walk with you. And uh, I just feel healing. If you want healing in your spirit, you got to lift your hands and let God do it. I feel tears of healing, tears of joy. Sometimes when you're crying on the outside, it's healing on the inside. Won't you reach out? I feel the fire of his spirit. <laughs> Come on, those watching online right now, I pray healing for you. It's going to be all right. Quit living that it's your fault. Quit blaming yourself and say, I'm going to get some healing. I'm going to be all right. I'm, I'm going to place forgiveness where it needs to be, but I'm moving on to a healed path. It's a path of the righteous. I'm going to walk that path because it's a good way. Hallelujah. We thank you for what we feel. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your presence in this room. Oh God, there is, there is a light in the dark hour. In Jesus' name. Sister Cami, come and pray for us. Come and pray for us. Hallelujah. She's a certified counselor, works with hurting people. She is a blessing to this church. He's going to help you up the steps. She's a lady. Amen. You remember that time that you asked God 
to let your pastor say the word mountain. What a moment that was. I was, church was over. I'm walk, I've already walked to the foyer and we had company here and I was trying to find my wife so we'd go out to eat. And I walked back in. Service is dismissed. People are just hanging out as we do. And, uh, uh, and I walked back in and she's there sitting, talking to a couple. And I walked up to you and I, the Holy Ghost moved on me like it did tonight. There was a God moment tonight. I started talking about that broken ship. That was a God moment. I wasn't didn't plan that. That was the Holy Ghost. And I walked up to her and I said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I feel to pray. And I said, I see a mountain in your life. I said, there's been a shadow over that mountain. I said, but I see sunshine. You're going up that mountain. And I see the sunshine raising up that mountain because the dark cloud that was over your life is leaving. Well, I just said what I felt the Lord at that moment. And when I said that, I looked, she was just sobbing, crying. I said, why are you crying? She said, this morning I prayed, God, let my pastor come up and say the word mountain to me. God knows. God hears. And when she prays, there's going to be healing in this room. I feel that right now. Would you pray for us? Amen. Precious Jesus, you're here. You're the answer. Lord, you don't need to prove yourself to us. Lord God, I have enough faith for every heart in this building. Lord God, you are touched by the feeling of our infirmities, your word tells us. Each heart is grasping that peace that Pastor talked about. They're holding on, and Lord, you will meet them there. They don't have to come any farther, Lord God. Touch each person. Let them surrender that guilt. Let them surrender that guilt to the only person, the only arms, the only God that can take it and do something with it that'll make a difference. Lord, each one of us that is hurting, which is all of us, we all hurt without you. We all have a mission to heal, to be healed helpers. And God, I just pray right now that each person, from the person who thinks they need you the most, and especially to the person who thinks they don't need you at all, Lord God. Touch them right now in the name of Jesus. This is what I feel. If you feel to come and pray, there's something special happening in this room right now. If you feel to come to this altar and pray, amen. Brother Nehemiah, would you come and sing? He loves us. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.